Welcome to the Good Listening To show on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. The feel-good show that brings you The Clearing, where all good questions come to be asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors. A clearing, a tree, a storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, some Shakespeare and a cake. So yes, who are you, what's your story and what life's lessons learned along your way would you like to share with us? So, welcome to a GLT with me, CG. See what I'm doing there and we're recording. Oh, yes, indeedy, quite literally, doody. Welcome, welcome, thrice welcome. Your life and times with me, Chris Grimes, continues with the Good Listening To podcast. It's the podcast that brings you the clearing where all good questions come to get asked, I think you'll find, and all good stories come to get told. And it's my absolute joy to welcome to the Good Listening To and the uh, Your Life and Times Clearing, Chris Daniels, who is part of the fabric of Bristol Life. He is the curator, the founder, the director of Slapstick. Uh, you really are a galvanizer of comedy intent. You bring to the world, uh, Bristol and the world, legends of comedy, old and new. So I've been really looking forward to speaking to you. Chris Daniels, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. I'm glad I came on now. That's lovely. Thank you. It's a great way to start a Monday, start and the day. As I say, you have wonderful comic intentions because you, you, you do spread a load of happiness. You have done since 2005, uh, if I've got my timeline correct. Yep. So this is going to be circa 2021 and there have been all sorts of challenges as we know, in current times, but you're 16, so you could even get married and everything now. It's true. We're coming of age. Slapstick's finally coming of age, Chris. So, yes. Lovely. And we've had our own bit of slapstick getting into the Zoom hole together. <laughs> I've had battery problems with my, I don't know, my mouse and my keyboard. We've had to restart, reboot, restart, reboot. You've also tried to erect a, a trampoline in the last 72 hours without a, a manual. It's true. That took a few hours. That was quite slapstick, really. And uh, I tr- tried to erect my microphone as well. But um, but we, we're here, though, Chris. We've arrived. So we've we managed <laughs> to get through all the tech stuff. We have. And, you know, slapstick, as we know, <laughs> at its genesis point, is laughing at other people's misfortune. We both seem to be smiling at each other. So it's all good. Yes, I was quite impressed. I was quite impressed with the way that we both um, engaged with that process. So, you know, in another world, there could be two furious people at this stage. And here we are. Yes, it reminds me of Jack Lemmon and Walter Matto, you know, two old people struggling with technology. (laughs) (laughs) We are are the odd couple, I think. Yes. (laughs) Wonderful. So I'm going to welcome you to the clearing. I'll find out what a clearing is like for you. Then it's all to play for. I'm going to bounce you along the lovely Life and Times and the Good Listening To podcast clearing intent, which is the clearing itself. Then we've got a tree. We shake your tree. There's alchemy, some gold, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. Hurrah. It's all to play for. Yes. Uh, yes. So at the end, by the way, there'll be a deliberate invitation for you to uh, go as hard as you like onto your own URLs. I know you've got a, a particular specific next slapstick event coming up in September. Please feel free to talk about that, too. Yeah, thank you. So um, first question might be slightly surprising one, but how's morale? What's your story of the day, Chris Daniels? 
story of the day is um well do you mean generally with the, the festival and no that? this is about you as the as the wonderful awesome human being yes well thank you well we've had some challenges really as you as you've mentioned so over the covid period we lost a wonderful patron timbrook taylor yes um and a wonderful friend as tim was so things have been challenging people we know and love are struggling a bit and that's always a delicate and difficult time and um it's that's a personal challenge for me and um also i guess it's one of those things that that there's this lovely phrase that a friend of mine uses when she says it's your it's your best life's coach she is a, she's a life coach in fact so that makes a lot of sense but she would say when there are challenges um in your world and in your life it's an opportunity a real opportunity for growth and that can sound really irritating when you're suffering and struggling but on a certain level in a certain way that's actually quite a profound way to look at things i think if um if if we do look at things as 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 not opportunities is a bit trite but look at the way through and the way to growth because when i think about it the person i've become today is has been forged against the uh the pressure of time and 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 the waves crashing against my my rock to use a terrible metaphor there no I, it, i'm all about metaphors i love that the waves dashing against my rock i love that a, but your yeah. rock is a constant that's the good thing and out of adversity as we know comes great creativity um and i've even heard it couched just to bounce off your own wisdom there when adversity does hit one of the ways to reframe it healthily is to think of oh plot twist and then you just yeah. divert according to the plot twist and we adapt yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, uh, I, I've, I've become very interested in stoicism, as I know a lot of people have recently and in recent years, and particularly during the, the, the pandemic. And that was certainly the spirit of stoicism was this idea that um, that you would imagine that the stoic gods, the stoic gods were offering you yet another challenge. And could you bring your your stoic qualities to that experience right you're just going to react as you've always done so i see that as a real as a real gift that sort of perspective and by the way that's wonderful we haven't actually talked about that but just in the last two weeks i've subscribed to the most wonderful entity which is called the daily stoic partly because during the pandemic i got really anchored to a really wonderful marcus aurelius quote ah which is never let the future disturb you because you will greet it if you have to with the same weapons of reason which today arm you against your present. Wow, that's just yeah, yes. So isn't that interesting? We haven't talked about that, and but we have stoicism in common because there's just a profound sense of being the rock and being anchored to the fact that you know things will dash, but we can be constant within it. Yes, yes, absolutely. I I think there's 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 great there's great wisdom in that ancient in 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 the teaching of stoicism and as you say marcus aurelius and seneca and um look looking back on that it's felt like the most meaningful thing during during the the lockdown really that's kept me sane i would say in in many ways and um and informs part of what i I expect we'll get into today yes that's a lovely quote 
Yes, and a wonderful stage-like commencement. And, and by the way, I did describe you as being, you know, a man with wonderful comic intentions. Uh, slapstick, I know, your, your mission is really wonderful, and you are a man after my own heart, in that Stan Laurel is my all-time comic hero. But you mm. say of your own volition, you know, within the, uh, the Slapstick website, your mission is to spread a little happiness by building new audiences for and an appreciation of silent and visual comedy. And what I love about what you've been doing in that area is you've brought in comedy legends old, new, living, and we've lost some rather tragically as well, as you, you also mentioned, which is another challenge to our, our, our stoicism. So it really is a beautiful intention you have. And I love Stan Laurel and he's my happy place. If in doubt, I'll just remind myself to go to Stan Laurel. Mm, mm, absolutely. And Stan's just behind me. He's constantly with us um, at Slapstick. And, and these these people are aspirational to me and, and, and inspirational. So uh, the the great the great silent visual performers it feels it feels important as slapsticks work to bring them to new audiences because there's yeah. so much now that competes for our attention whether it's on our telephones or on youtube or on you know different on netflix although you can get stan and ollie on netflix actually but um but, but people are drawn of course to the fast the visual the complex the cgi um it, given an opportunity would a, would a teenager really want to go and see Endgame with Avengers or do they want to watch an old Charlie Chase film? You know, so we do have a challenge ahead. But I suppose it's not that I think silent film or silent comedy is better than other films or other comedy, but it has its place as equal to the, ve the very best silent film and silent comedy is equal to the very best talky colour recent film. Uh, yes, and indeed, the, the most famous export, as I know you know, of all comedy is Mr Bean. And that goes right back to Rowan Atkinson's ingenious way of accessing Jacques Tati, but also the silent comedy tradition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And it goes on, as you say, really. And, and it certainly goes on as I watch films with my seven year old daughter, so Una, and we watch um, animation and comedy or even looking back at things like Tom and Jerry. And yeah. you see the, the animation taking on the legacy, if you like, like Sean the Sheep of slapstick and early visual silent comedy. So, you know, it's the stunts are much easier, I think, for Sean the Sheep than they were for Buster Keaton. <laughs> you see that and it is a bit of a cheat because you see these wonderful stunts, if you like, stunts in Tom and Jerry. Yeah. But didn't break a bone, though, not like Buster. There's no yeah. investment there. So, but, but it is wonderful to see that, like you say, um, and as you say, when people often say, oh, I don't like visual comedy or I don't like, they may well resonate with something like The Minions. Yes. Or The Sheep. Yeah, yeah. Being, they just don't think of it as being in the same genre the same and, and we just need to point people to that awesome Buster Keaton sequence where the house collapses and it just, the window collapses with probably millimetres to spare. Yes, absolutely. I think that's the kind of thing that would be my happy place too, is, is that when you see the joy of great genius purely to make people laugh. Yes. That's exceptional and extraordinary. And by the way, I love the echo of my own resonance there with you saying Una and being seven. I was seven living in Uganda when a black and white television hummed into action on Walk Stan Laurel and I've never forgotten. I love them both, Laurel and Hardy, the duality and the, the yeah. innocence and the humility. And I've even got a son called Stan for obvious reasons. Which is good. <laughs> yes. but let's get you Christopher Daniels, Chris Daniels into the clearing then yeah. Yeah. of uh, the structure of what I'm about to bounce you along. So 
What is a clearing like for you? Where do you go to get clutter free, inspirational and able to think? I think so. I for me, this is is, is often a literal space. So for me, the desire to be in in a clearing, to be uncluttered and to think is the big picture answer to that is I go away. So I, I, I literally I get in the car and I drive somewhere. I might go camping. Uh, most recently, just a few months ago, I went to Dorchester on the Thomas Hardy Trail. So an admirer, I was reading The Mayor of Casterbridge. I took myself to Dorchester for two nights and stayed overnight camping. And uh, although my wife would say glamping, I think. The tent, <laughs> somebody, yes. put, somebody put the tent up for me. I'll just say that. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the peace, the quiet, being in nature, waking up with the birds, cooking for myself, not having to deal with the day to day really is where my clearing over an extended period comes really. And it's in those spaces, Chris, where I find what I consider the inspiration for the ideas for the programming. So every year at Slapstick at the festival and to, to provide this work, if you like, for in Bristol, it, it would be one thing just to say, let's run a series of films, but in some ways, what we try to do is we try to find the unique, a unique element to it. So either a fresh score that will accompany an old film or an artist or a performer seen in a different way. So, for example, I mean, just very briefly, things like getting um, Adrian Edmondson and Nigel Planer to talk about bad news, which to my knowledge they hadn't done before, or a reunion on the young ones. So, or, or French and Saunders coming to receive a legacy award. So things that you can't see anywhere else in the world and probably will never, ever take place again. So those, that's what's meaningful to me because that's the excitement that engages the audience and brings them along. And what's wonderful for me is it's, very, it's a very natural process. It takes no effort. It just takes being in the clearing. And I become, well, I wouldn't say overwhelmed, but I, I become, it's no effort. I, I could bring three or four different, different festivals to fruition in my mind given the right space really um and that that's 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 what i seek is is creativity in the clearing and there's a smaller version of that which would be i guess mindfulness which is when i spend 10 minutes every day as i do practicing mindfulness and then as i'm beginning to do bringing that to as as much as possible to each waking moment because practice it's a, almost a nonsense to say i'm practicing mindfulness it's just being present in the moment really um but to do that offers a clearance no matter what else is happening so there's two answers for you there i love that and for some reason i'm thinking of sizzling sausages just thought i'd run that past you in your yes. clearing yes i've just imposed those upon you but <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I did maybe had some sausages. They were veggie sausages, but I had definitely in Dorchester. They were, yeah. And by the way, five degrees of separation. What's extraordinary in what you've just been beautifully riffing on there. Um, I was in Uganda, as I mentioned, but I was best friends with Adrian Edmondson's two younger brothers because his family lived in Uganda too. Oh, right. Yes. Go figure. So there you go. Yes. Um, back to your clearing. And I love that. We've got... Um, sausages was my idea but we're there in a, in a clearing of inventiveness where you've gone you've traveled towards 
glamping camping but it's the out it's the great outdoors and there you sit crafting your next festival i love that yes okay so within your clearing now i'm going to arrive with a tree and this is where we shake your tree to let your storytelling apples fall out and you were kind enough before we spoke to have thought about you had five minutes to have thought about four things chris daniels that have shaped you three things that inspire you Two things that never fail to grab your attention, and that's a bit all squirrels borrowed from the film Up. You've probably seen it, I know. And then one quirky or unusual fact about you that we also couldn't know about you until you tell us. So you can shake the tree at your leisure, kind sir. So first of all, you know, interpret it how you like. Crunch on those apples, please. Well, so if I shake the tree, so in terms of what shaped me, and it's funny this, isn't it? This this feels like quite an indulgent space for me because I never take any time to contemplate these things uh, just don't uh, so it's, it's quite a luxury and I quite enjoyed that even the five minutes but um, one of the things I've realized that shaped to me is is music so it it, it it it's it's something to do with I haven't really realized but I was listening to a song the other day it was Ray Davis uh, um, I'm not like everybody else and I've seen him perform live too. And there's a kind of, there's an anger to that and to the, to the, to the lyrics, but there's this sense of individualism that I related very strongly to in music, the music of Tom Robinson and uh, the Beatles to a certain extent, uh, Pete Townsend, if we're talking of songwriters really. And, but, but the concepts of things like even Manfred Mann's semi-detached suburban or the kinks plastic man, uh or do it again they're later things so in that the message there is i don't want to be mainstream i don't want a mainstream life i don't want to be like everybody else i don't want to go to work like everybody else is the mantra Uh, i don't want to be destroyed like everybody else and that's been a wonderful philosophy to adopt because (laughs) what what that gave me as a gift was this sense of determination to truly live my life in a way that felt authentic for me and not just get the white picket fence, the house, the kids, the the drudgery of life, because it was the expected thing. And I suppose the downside of that means I don't have a great pension provision. (laughs) 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 Because living for passion every day... Because it'll all be okay is a great attitude when you're young. You've got what I have by the sound of it, what's called a comedian's pension, which is a lottery ticket. Everyone thinks we're joking, but we're not really. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah. So individualism through the interpretation of those wonderful lyrics was lovely. Yes. Don't have your life prescribed. Run it your way. I love that. Yes. Yeah. And as I say, in, interestingly, in some ways that could become it can become a barrier because it can be a bit like rebel without a cause. So I think you have to be careful with it. But I I realise just how profoundly it's extraordinary, isn't it? Things even like um, with single lyrics like in Strawberry Fields. Uh, no one I think is in my tree. I mean, it must be high or low. And that idea of thinking I'm a bit different or a bit odd or I've got my friends but I don't fit in with I don't like football I yeah. don't seem to be good with mechanics what kind of boy man am I those kinds of things um, it's interesting isn't it that the human mind can write something so profoundly affecting 
Sorry, <laughs> sorry about my pinging. I thought I'd stop that. <laughs> but bless you for bringing in a tree there as well. You reincorporated a tree beautifully. You're a, you're a wonderful listener. I love that. Yes, yes. In strawberry fields in a tree. I love that. Yeah, and and so that that sense of I suppose it's interesting, isn't it? That I it, it that I have this sort of very strong connection to to the words of others whether that is in written literature or poetry or or in music but music yeah big big influence big effect for me shaping me lovely answer wonderful and um so moving on i would say that uh, uh in relation to that too i suppose just to pee back in briefly is that my my father so my dad was a an entrepreneur really in the day in that he he grew up with a very sort of hard working class background with, with, with no real education, certainly didn't go to college or to university. But when he got his job managing a shop being employed and there was an opportunity to buy the shop, my dad thought, oh, I'll have a go at this. And in the end, had a couple of shops, worked really hard, became bankrupt as every good entrepreneur should at some stage. It's very common, apparently. And whilst I'm sure my dad would probably not, maybe see himself as hugely successful materially um it was his it was his drive for more so if he were a driver he'd want to run the company and employ people and and think bigger all the time and i think that gave me along with these messages and these songs this this possibility that i didn't have to just take a job and work in that job and stay within something i didn't want to do really so my so father... lovely, lovely and rich there about curating your own space and curating your own destiny mm. in what your father did and it, you it made me think of and this is a slight comic divergence of victor kyan he liked it so much he bought the company which is what your dad was doing in the shop I, i'm aging us both terribly there but maybe... i remember it well yes yeah. <laughs> wonderful um... Yeah. Other things that, that shaped me, I'd have to say there's a book called uh, Animal Liberation written by Peter Singer. Who's say the title again. Animal Liberation. Uh-huh. 1979. I think I was 14 and I became vegan for eight years. I'm no longer vegan, but um, I'm pescatarian nowadays. But the awareness, I guess, that from my perspective, that we are we're highly evolved primates was quite profound. That certainly shaped me. And it gives me, I believe, a compassionate perspective on other people and the world. And it helps me make sense of why the world's so insane. Yes, the chaos. Yes. <laughs> because we're the only species that appears to have consciousness in, the, in a self-reflecting ability. But yet we're still monkeys. We're still, we're still apes anyway. Yes. And I think that helps me to make sense of the world. And it's also given me a... Um, a lifelong respect for our fellow creatures too. Yes. Really. And a kind of humanity and a heartfelt connection with, with seeing myself as part of nature, not as separate to nature. That's been important. And uh, on the risk of going too deep with everything, um, the last thing to say really is my wife, which she's had a profound effect on me. And she lifted me from a psychological place where I felt that I, I wasn't able to see who I was and what my potential was truly to find aspects in me so I would be able to do things like dance or 
believe in myself and to take things forward and and to see in somebody else's eyes yourself truly reflected for the first time all that love stuff that I really felt um well feel should I say yeah (laughs) we're still together um there's something delicious about reciprocity in there which your obviously wife brought you to a realization of what you give out you get back the idea of mirror to nature reflection yes yes absolutely absolutely and then uh, kids you know having the kids has been uh such a profound experience of um of on the on the one hand um talk about your best coach as we were saying earlier children are one's best coach but it took me from being as i wouldn't have seen then totally self-absorbed non-parenty person no you know for people that are not parents i'm not suggesting people are all that way but certainly for me it was all about me what am i doing next what am i going to do what am i you know to oh i'm responsible for these lives yes my you know wonderful son josh who's now 16 una who's age seven and um just the experience of of living with them and seeing them grow seeing what's what's necessary for them and looking for it within myself to be able to be present and available and of course dealing with we talked about stoicism a moment ago and working out a way of of being fully present to to their experience whilst acknowledging that there's a kind of a massive challenge because it's also the most exhausting the most frustrating the most challenging too but again i feel like a better person because of their existence and being a parent so there's a delicious quality of altruism in there as in the altruism in what you do in your job bringing you know legends old and new to the fore there's also an altruism and awareness of it's not just about me. And irony, ironically, there's a stereotype about clowns being quite tortured or about, um, you know, people in the entertainment industry being incredibly self-obsessed. You know, narcissism can often be off the scale in that case. I know there are delightful exceptions, not least in some of the gallery that you've brought to bear. I know you have, you know, Sir Michael Palin in your mix as well. Mm. By the way, he said of you, he, you're worth supporting because it's a complete delight slapstick. I noticed that when I was researching about you. So you are worth supporting, as is your Slapstick Festival, because you're a complete delight. Wow. And you're very selfless, which is what I'm hearing. Wow. Well, I, I'm not sure that's true. But I, I it certainly because it's, it's interesting. It's like the stoicism thing, isn't it? It's like, um, who is it? It's John Bradshaw, this guy who wrote, wrote back in the 80s and 90s books on therapy. And he said, uh, we always teach the thing we need to learn the most ourselves. <laughs> yes, the delicious irony of same. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So in some ways, you could argue that that it's not it's not naturally easy for me to relax and be humorous and funny and to to kind of um, be celebratory and laughing. So it's probably something that is is a constant lesson that I want to be learning, really. Again, that's very relatable. In my family, there is a maxim, which is patience is a virtue daddy doesn't have. So <laughs> although I'm a, all about being present on stage with instant wit and the comedy improvisational stuff, I'm not a very patient man. <laughs> yes. Warts and all, we've all got faults, which is lovely. Uh, back to you. Lovely answers so far. We're now into three things that inspire you now. Three things that inspire me. These, these were really easy, I guess. So the first thing is silent film. So um, I'll, I'll be relatively brief if I can be. I've been, 
But I, I discovered silent film fairly late. Came to Bristol. One of the one of the things that attracted me coming to Bristol was this this intriguing course on film studies. And I remember thinking an A level film studies at City of Bristol College. It was called then, and um, I couldn't believe. Chris, that you could do an academic course on film. Because yeah. in those days, I was, I was thinking, well, you know, I like Jurassic Park and I'm vaguely aware that somebody makes the films, but I, I knew so little about films. I just, I just loved them, Star Wars, Jaws, all the, Godfather, all that stuff. Um, but I, I was taught by somebody called Norman Taylor, who eventually we co-founded Bristol Silence together. And there was Andrew Spicer too. Um, and they introduced me to through a film a silent film studies day at watershed silent film and it was as if somebody had just turned the lights on it's wow. like i spent my life in a cave and somebody shone this bright light and this guy forgotten the guy's name now jim somebody he he introduced he introduced these it was like somebody saying and here's picasso and here's monet and here's rothko and here's Kandinsky and suddenly you realize art exists so this this guy showed um I, I won't go into the details I'm sure it won't be that interesting but some some of the very best silent films ever made the best extracts in sequence playing them live on the piano and it, it just felt like you know the, the Odessa step sequence of Battleship Potemkin and all these but after a series and I suddenly thought oh my god does anybody know does anybody know about these films <laughs> I love and, that someone shone a light into your cave and then turned your world black and white. It's well, a technicolor <laughs> moment to turn your world black and white. I love that. From, from, from full color to, to monochrome. It's true. Um, yeah. So that, that was a very exciting discovery for me. And that inspiration of, of the, the seminal work, I've always been interested in where things begin really. So the Lumiere brothers and Melies and, early silent film it's such an exciting period in film history when all of this is happening and very similarly too i'm very interested so when i'm interested in marvel or um i mean or even disney i'm interested in the early years it's always the exciting the the discoveries the the creativity that's so fascinating to me um but so in addition to that of course i then discovered charlie chaplin and Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd and Lauren Hardy. And well, I knew Lauren Hardy already, but the silent work. Um, And then in the year 2000, while this inspiration continues, I then got to sit at the Royal Festival Hall watching the great French film, Abogance's Napoleon, which runs five and a half hours with a 60 piece orchestra. It takes eight hours to watch. And every, it could have been twice as long for me. Wow. Extraordinary. And in the audience, to give you the kind of quality of it, in the bar, Terry Jones was there chatting to Richard Attenborough, who both later became patrons. Um, Alan Parker, the director, was in the audience. There is Hughes. So that, that was very keenly, um, strongly life-changing for me because if, if people can create works like this, it kind of makes existence bearable. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, something, it's something transformative about art. And I think that was my moment with art was my medium. So for my wife, it might be opera. And for people I know, it might be dance and ballet. But for me, I think my medium is silent 
film work. That's my peak experience. Arc. There's a moth to a flame element of the other moths that were there that night, but also um, a lovely mantra, which is what's meant for you won't pass you by. So you were very present to your windows of opportunity that were presenting. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I, and I know because I've been with other people who have, who have seen, you know I, know, I know a couple of people um, who think the film's way too long or, you know, they just, or, or people who are just bored by silent films, just don't enjoy them. And I don't have any problem with that, really. I think people, obviously, I'm not as inspired by, I went to see, um, went to see some contemp- contemporary dance at the Hippodrome years ago. And I remember thinking, these people, look, it's extraordinary. Their performance is brilliant. They're at the top of their game. It may have been the, the, the Rambert, the Rambert. Mm-hmm. But they, were, they were superb. I didn't enjoy it, and I would have been happy to get an interval. And I think that's the thing about art, too. Yes. Um, and Kevin Brownlow, who's a great inspiration to me, who's the film historian who restored Napoleon, and in fact, in terms of being inspired, he's my my role model, really. Without Kevin, I wouldn't be running Slapstick. Right. I'd be, be working in every waking moment in this way if it weren't for Kevin. But Kevin said to me once, he said, there's no film so bad that isn't loved by somebody. Yes. It's so good it isn't hated or loathed by somebody. And about guess- art causing a reaction is partly what's going on here as well. That, yeah. that are, yes yeah, exactly. wonderful yeah so that was my inspiration there um and i suppose those are the two things really napoleon silent film kevin brownlow and then the other thing that inspires me the third thing is people really so and again coming back to stoicism as i was reading um reading a few books on stoicism recently just the sense of how resilient human beings are and how inspirational they are, whether, it, whether it's a, a Kevin Brownlow or it's, um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's somebody who is willing to stand up against injustice or someone who is willing to, to kind of speak their truth against yes. the odds or oppression, that kind of thing. Um, and it was Seneca who said, did he say he said sometimes even to live is an act of courage and i think that coming back to that sense of if we are all apes and we're primates trying to make sense of our own world then there's there are great atrocities in the world and there's war there's famine there's suffering and through that adversity there's there are these extraordinary exceptional human beings who, who still come to the world with a great gift of kindness or love or compassion and um, give up everything for the right reasons. Yes. Um, so that that's inspiring to me is to know that, that still, despite everything, human beings still could aspire to be better. You say that at our core, we're a sort of evolved chimp species. There is that book, The Chimp Paradox as well, because what you're talking about is the paradox of existence really there as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's... Um, life is conflict. Abs- yeah. Life is, and yeah, the Buddhist sense of life is suffering and then how to transcend it, which again comes back to the, to the work of bringing laughter 
if you like. I'm yes. Sure we had one of our posters one year, Chris. It said, it said Slapstick Festival, bringing laughter to Bristol. And I remember David Robinson, how wonderful patron film historian, saying, he said, you sound like the NHS. You sound like you're bringing <laughs> laughter to Bristol. <laughs> the lols back to Bristol. <laughs> running a clinic, you know. Yes. There's nothing like that, though. When you're sitting in, say, one of our gala events where you've got 1600 people watching the silent film laughing their heads off yes it's wonderful to be in the experience of that that celebration and that joy i've sat in many of your gala evenings a sort of big finish to your festival and you know i watched uh, the, the monty pythons all presenting the life of brian before the sad demise of terry jones you know wonderful evenings and the goodies you know you've had june whitfield in there eric sykes you've had some you know now sadly departed you got them to have a moment in the sunlight before they they moved on to just be remembered in their filmic form yes yeah that's that's another very important quality to us it's about it's about who who's remaining, who's who's alive. Yes. <laughs> we should celebrate people while they're here and their work here because once they're gone, or you've missed that opportunity. We had a few missed opportunities. I think we reached out to say Norman Wisdom, yeah, ninety three, but he'd passed that point where he was able to articulate a conversation in public. Yes. Or, and uh, I remember you you got Terry Jones in that space just on time because you know wonderful genius of a man and uh, very sad his de- departure in the end yes. and yeah. the decline of a brilliant man yeah and even even things that seem really obscure in fact are probably like the double deckers which was a television series for I children <laughs> <laughs> and we had the guy who played brains in that and um i can't remember their names now tiger uh, <laughs> three of the children came along and we even interviewed Melvin Hayes, who played the janitor, the manager with them too. It ain't half hot man, Melvin Hayes, I remember. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and we're looking at, a, as a little kind of teaser, we're, we're looking at a Tiswas reunion in this coming January. So these things that may be 40, now 50 years ago. Yes. Still, like your experience of Lauren Hardy and mine, still hold an affectionate place in the hearts of young in their children, boys and girls in the United Kingdom, bringing them back to reignite that celebratory nostalgia for one more time. You know, so you've got Chris Tarrant and Lenny Henry, I'm assuming, coming back for the Tiswells universe. Well, it's it, it's it's a bit more complicated, <laughs> but I uh, so that we're in the process of speaking to the the bucketeers, to say. Lenny wasn't a bucketeer actually; he wasn't one of the main four. Okay. But as it is with Slapstick, what happens at Slapstick, as I'm sure you'll be aware with your own projects and creativities, in your head you have this idea of what you'd like and then you put it out into the world, into the universe, and reach out to those people. And then some people you think would be very excited about a project and not. Other people you think there's no chance they'll be interested and really excited by it. So that's, yes. we'll, see, we'll see when we shake the tree of the Tiswas tree, We'll see who falls out. See which apples fall out of that particular tree. Um, it is my job to get us to do a bit of a lick on, partly because we're doing a 45 minute programme format here. So um, where I think we've just so two things that never fail to grab your attention now. Yes, I can. I can. I can do those fairly quickly. It's, it's all very superficial. This cars. 
because uh, I was I was literally taking it as as the squirrels kind of uh, idea. Uh, Triumph Stags. When I was a young lad, when I was fourteen, fifteen, my dad used to drive me to this garage where in London, where they had a whole series of the Triumph Stags. There may be fifteen of them, and I would just salivate, look around, stroke them, imagine one day I might own one. Never have owned one or driven one. I love the delicious irony of being a pescatarian petrol head. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And the TR6, that kind of thing, or the Caterham 7. So there are particular cars that still have that quality of nostalgia excitement for me, like the Prisoner TV series, so the Lotus 7, that kind of thing. So that's, that's something that literally does always draw my attention and, and turn my head. And the second thing is really odd one this quality marketing but i'm very <laughs> i'm really tough on this stuff but often i will be and my wife and all everyone i know will will uh, will certainly concur that if i see something i say oh that should be there that should be there that's the wrong message that's on because i'm really particular about visuals and marketing and how we represent stuff so i'm as much the keystone cops as the grammar police is what we're talking about here <laughs> Indeed, indeed. And and sort of getting it right, but also really inspired by the good stuff. So when I see something, I'm like, that's brilliant. I can see how that's working or that's inspired. So and I love that, too. So we we have there's a guy called Danny Heffer, who's the head of branding at Ardman, who does our branding with us every year. We have these fantastic. We have a great meeting where we get together. Sometimes Peter Lord joins us or, or Gavin Strange. And we think about what are we going to do next year? How will we attract audiences? What image are we going to use? And how are we going to pull people in? And who do we represent this year? And how do we make that work? And that's such a fun part. And when it works, yeah. I'm usually never really happy with it, <laughs> no matter how good it is. I think one year I was happy with the kid thing with Stephen Merchant. But generally, it's never quite right. But um, my wife would say I'm a bit perfectionistic around that stuff. But it's, so that's the stuff that really does get my attention. And sorry if I start to get a bit of a lick on. Um, what's a quirky or unusual fact about you we couldn't possibly know until you tell us? Um, well, I, I suppose I, I was going to say that I'm an aspirational stoic, but given that I've get, can totally revealed that already, so I'm going to throw another quick quirky one in, is I collect Iron Man comics. So 1967 to 1980. Go you. Because otherwise, so many. <laughs> great quirky or unusual fact we've shaken your tree now we're talking about alchemy and gold when you're at purpose and in flow chris daniels slapstick festival director what do you most like to be doing i would say i would say it has to be there are, there are two things really one is one is it's rare this chris um it's a rare state to inhabit really for me um because it's a perfect state. But when I'm in flow with the kids and my wife in the family environment experience, it's quite magical, really, because that's the feeling of happiness for me. So that's and it's a, it's a kind of stress free, blowing, playful, spontaneous happiness. Um, but if I could bottle it, that would be great. But I, but perhaps it's all the more precious for its elusive quality. 
So I love that the idea of family also within your clearing then coming full circle, because those are moments when even the Stokes would agree happiness is just oh, right there. It's it's there in front of me. Happiness. Yeah, it's there. It's there already, really, I think. And then the other thing is that in flow state with work and by programming. So when all that comes together, there's a great joy in that. So when I'm in when I'm away and I'm in flow and I see it. And it's a bit like if I were if I were an artist, it's like I I produce my work. I'm ready for the I'm on the go to I want to exhibit my work now. Yeah. That that's where I find my joy, I guess, in those states really. So to award you with a cake now for gracing us with your presence here in the Life and Times and good listening to uh, Clearing. Um, what's the favourite inspirational quote you've ever heard? Um, any ways you'd like to put your cherry on the cake? It could even be inspired by a bit of Shakespeare and all the world's a stage. How would you most like to be remembered when all is said and done? What would you like your legacy to be? Well, I think my key, my key quote, I won't remember now, but it is it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a Shakespeare quote. Which and it's it's in the office, but I haven't been in the office for eighteen months, Chris. This thing, but it's something like um, it's something like it is neither good nor bad. It is thinking makes it so. That's from Hamlet, I believe. Right, and that is that's my profound global statement of existence because it is that is it. I heard Michael J. Fox talking about his Parkinson's just the other day, and he's an inspiration because it, 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 that's, he he's he exemplifies that quote because for a lot of people their lives would be destroyed every moment of every day and he's a joyous human being so it's the just way say the quote again so it can just hang there rather deliciously okay so it is something like this is paraphrased but it's nothing is is nothing is good nor bad it is thinking makes it so beautifully put and um just quickly go into the urls where can we find out more about chris daniels and the wonderful thing that is slapstick online it would have to be although be patient for a few months because we're, we've got a new website coming in september but it's <laughs> the website's a bit clunky but it's www.slapstick.org.uk org.uk and it'll all be there and sign up to the newsletter if anybody's interested because that's where all the new stuff and all the information will be flowing through to you if you're interested. Wonderful. And long may your wonderful altruistic work continue. Ladies and gentlemen and listeners here on the UK Health Radio Space and also the Good Listening To podcast, you know, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. You've been listening to the lovely Chris Daniels from slapstick.org. And thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure and a real indulgence. So thank you, Chris. You're very welcome. And um, to the listeners on the UK Health Radio space, to your good health. Until next time, come back for more stories within the clearing and goodbye. You've been listening to the Good Listening To show here on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. Oh, it's my son. 
If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from The Clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme, that's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's... At that Chris Grimes. So until next time, from me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio, and from Stan... To your good health. And goodbye.